Welcome to Hardcore Penn State Football, the first live show since May. It is nice to be back, Sean. It's nice to see your pretty face. We have lots to discuss, people listening on the podcast. Two big 2024 commits set their announcement for this weekend. We are going to talk Ohio State. We are going to talk Indiana. We are going to talk Maryland. And we have six fantastic fan questions. Might be some of the best fan questions we've ever got. So thank you for those. We'll get right into the show in just one second. With me, as always, the great Sean Kane. How are you doing today, Sean? Very good, Corey. Happy to be back live with you, seeing your beautiful face, and ready to attack this Wednesday and ready to attack this Wednesday night pod. How about you? Yes, yes, yes. Very happy to be back. You know, I just had to get a sip there. Um, the the war station the war room is is sort of set up it's a cluttered desk right now um but for those that didn't know i was recording when i lived in alabama we were recording i was recording in in a closet basically um much better acoustics in the new room so excited about that but um you know i kind of forgot how exciting it is to do the show live like obviously you know non-live is fun uh, but there's something about doing it live and having a bunch of people on YouTube chatting with us. M. Rob's in here, Christoph's in here, Andrew Redding's in here. Um, there's something about it doing it live. So thank you guys for being here. We are back live uh, from now until ever. I mean, I don't plan on moving anytime soon. Um, but very excited to be back live. I will say this: a couple, just one housekeeping item before we begin. We haven't exactly figured. We're gonna go to the two times a week for people that just joined us in the spring we, we we go two times a week sometime in august through the whole regular season last year we did sundays and wednesdays we haven't decided yet but just just consider a potential monday 
and Wednesday night show. Just consider that. Um, we haven't decided yet. Um, but yes, and Rob, we'll do it live. Uh, anyway, lots to talk about today, Sean. We got some recruiting stuff. Um, we've got, I think it's always fun to talk about Ohio State. I feel like people always want to talk about Ohio State. Um, so we'll talk about Ohio State, Indiana, and Maryland. And then we have a bunch of fan questions. I think we got, I think we got more than six, but I think I used six questions. I also asked the people on Twitter, not saying Penn State's going to go 15-0, but what would they have to do in order to go 15-0 or, or, or whatever the case may be? So uh, some good answers there as well. Lots to get into, Sean. That is a tremendous question. And I've, I've been thinking about it since yesterday, and I definitely have some well-thought-out uh, thoughts on that. Um, and, yeah, I mean, just being able to – I mean, the, the thing is, and Corey could back me up on this, when we don't record live, it's still the same show. So we still do the same exact things, except it's not on YouTube. So, I mean, it's it was still pretty, you know, pretty much our raw opinions. Uh, Corey's not censoring my crazy opinions, thankfully. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's great to be back with you guys. And thank you for thank you for hanging out with us. The only thing I will admit, the only thing I edited out was the intro like two weeks ago when I definitely said Purdue in the intro to the video that we're going to be previewing Purdue. That's right. I did, I did edit that out because I said it again in the episode. I didn't edit it out in the middle of the episode, but I, I thought the intro, that'd be pretty bad if I introduced maybe someone new to listening to the show um, and mentioned Purdue. Jacob Sparrow on YouTube as well said, we are so back. Yes. Yes, we are. Um all right. I will say this. Thank you guys for listening. Last week's episode, over 40% higher than what we've had pretty much the whole off season, so to speak. Obviously, we're here every week, so there really isn't an off season. But um, I think you guys are excited, and we're excited to talk Penn State football. Before we get to college football, Sean, do you have any thoughts on Saquon Barkley and the Giants? I think you're more... I think you're more up to date than I am with the issue. I don't know. I, I think Saquon spoke out a little bit maybe today about it. Um, I I don't really know the details, so enlighten us about what exactly is going on. And is there any – should I draft Saquon Barkley on my fantasy team this year? Well, I'll get – I'll do your last question first. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think he plays. I do think he'll play on the tag. So the New York Giants wanted to tag Saquon. And Saquon Barkley never signed the uh, franchise tag. And, <laughs> and wow. if you don't if if you don't sign the franchise tag, you're not technically holding out. So it's not like you're getting fined. So Saquon's not getting fined even if he doesn't play the whole season. Um, because he's technically not signed by the New York Giants right now. That being said. Um, I think he should have taken the reported last offer, and that was $22 million guaranteed, and I think $11 million a year over three years. So in the NFL, the thing that matters the most, and you could argue matters, like only matters, is the guaranteed money, because they're always restructuring contracts. They could get rid of you at any moment, especially when you're running back. Like if Saquon, God forbid you know, seriously hurt himself this season, he was gone. 
even if he signed the contract, but he would still be able to pocket that $22 million. Saquon wanted something close to $30 million uh, guaranteed. And I, if, if you look around the NFL, Josh Jacobs isn't getting it, – um, it didn't get a new contract. I don't even think he had his fifth-year option, which I think that's nuts. I think that's a bit extreme. But, um, you know, the, the latest trend has been get rid of these guys as soon as they turn 26 or 27. Get rid of the running backs. Don't pay them. And the Giants – are, they didn't exactly do that, but in Saquon's mind, they lowballed them. So um, I think the Giants should have tried to get something done with him, though. And if it meant giving him 24, 25 guaranteed, then I think they should have done it. I think they could have been a little more flexible. But that being said, if I was Saquon, I would just take the 22 mil guaranteed. But that's just me. How much more did he want? I think he wanted close to 30. So they're not even really that close. Not really, no. Um, and I think but that's see, kind of the issue. And then Saquon, the, the other thing he did, which is an interesting move, his agent is through Rock Nation. And then he has a separate marketing firm that handles all his marketing stuff. In the last few weeks, he had he's gotten his marketing team in the negotiation. He hasn't parted ways with Rock Nation yet, but now he has both of them negotiating with the New York Giants together. So that tells me he might not be thrilled with Rock Nation right now. Just reading between the lines. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's some good stuff, Sean. I, that, like I said, I wasn't very really up to date with it, so I appreciate that. Um, you got it, man. What is the – like, who's do – you, do you know who's making the most money right now as a running back? Is it Christian McCaffrey or Derrick Henry? Okay. How, I think yeah. he's still – yeah, he's getting something like over thirty mil guaranteed, I believe. Now, I, from means, my understood, Saquon didn't want to be the highest paid, correct? No, no, he said he just wanted to be, you know, adequately compensated. But that means different things to, between the organization <laughs> and the player. I would also like to be adequately uh, compensated. Yeah, I mean, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, yeah, isn't that really and then? You know, but the running backs, like, they supposedly have some big group tax, and they all, this is people saying, I don't think it's confirmed, that there, there was kind of a coordinated social media effort to be like, really, Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, and Saquon Barkley aren't getting deals, really. But, I mean, that's the way the NFL is going. And I think... The running back position in my lifetime has been by far the most devalued position. Like in the beginning of my lifetime, like Emmett Smith, even a guy like Sean Alexander, Adrian Peterson, like those guys, like they were among the highest paid players on the team. And now I believe I saw on Twitter that the average kicker is making more than the average running back. Yeah, I saw that too. That shows you just how devalued the, the position has become. And, right. and I think it's just because they they throw these guys away when they're 26, 27 years old, and that's just kind of the reality. Interesting. We'll see we'll see what happens there. And uh yeah, we'll see we'll see how that ends up. Um the only other thing I really want to mention, they had some they had some max lifts going on at the, the Penn State weight room. 
Nick Singleton, I believe, put up 380 on the power clean, which I was going to grab a video, but I didn't. So we're still trying to get back into the live show of things, but um, which was 15 pounds or close to the 15 pounds to Saquon's record with the clean. And Jordan Vandenberg set a school record 615 pounds, four reps at 615. He also cleaned, I think he cleaned 400-something, didn't he? Like yeah. Five. Yeah, something like that. I and, like, he his, got the record. his, like, hand didn't even get all the way over there, and he, like, lifted it with, like, one hand, which... Um, it looked dangerous. <laughs> and and James Franklin tweeted something, like, quote tweeted with, with him, I think it was with the squat video, about how much he's improved. And I'm not just saying this because Jordan Vandenberg's a white guy, but I'm getting a little bit of a Carl Nassib vibe here, Sean. Maybe a little Anthony Zettel. <laughs> but honestly, he does not look three whatever he is, three twenty, three ten. He he's dense. Yeah, I always thought he was a little small. Like no, he's not at all. I mean he. And then when I watched him, you know, do do that clean, I mean, I was like, ooh, he's, I hope his elbow's all right, because if that was me, I think my elbow would totally dislocate. But, I mean, he's he's strong as an ox. And he's a guy that I feel like we're talking about more than pretty much anybody else. He's been on our radar for a while, uh, partly because every time I've watched him come in and He's had a relatively small role on the team the couple of years that he's been here. I feel like he always makes the most of his time on the field when he gets a chance, and he's going to have a bigger role this year. Uh, They typically like to use anywhere between five and six defensive tackles in a game. They like to rotate, and I expect him to be part of that rotation and be productive. Yeah, yeah, I like him. I think he he might do even a little bit more than that. I'm I'm excited to see what – what he can do. Um, it, the defensive tackle position is just like, what What are we going to get? Hakeem Beeman, or I think as T. Fresh called him, Hakeem Beefman, got bigger. You got Keziah Izzard, who was a little banged up during spring, but do you think those are probably your two starters? But then you got Devon Ellis, you got Jordan Vandenberg, you got Caleb Artes, you got uh, Devon Townley, you got Zane Durant. I mean, you got some, you got Ty Blanding in there. You got some, you got some serious options there. So um, all of them are going to play. I just think whoever really kind of makes the biggest impact is going to be out there the most. Uh, and that's not even, you know, thinking about what they do on third and long situations where they might bring in or they might slide a deny Dennis Sutton in into the three tech. Or, you know, you already got Zane Duran that could probably be out there still. But you got a lot of different fun things you could do. Or you could put a mean van over at the three technique or even the one technique at his size. So you get a lot of different fun things. And I'm sure Manny Diaz is already salivating about that. But it's really nice to see Jordan Vandenberg just, just kill it in the weight room. Um, Sean, are you ready to talk recruiting? Let's talk recruiting. Okay, let's see if I can. Yeah, this, do this could be right really here. cool. I feel like the, the sound didn't sound. Air. I heard like the first part of it, but like the beep, but that was it. Yeah, should we try it one more time? Yeah, blew it up. 
Nope. Yeah, same thing. Same just, thing. It's trying to do it, but it didn't do it. I don't know. Maybe people on YouTube could hear it fine. We just couldn't hear it over the podcast okay. I don't know. Um, anyhow, on the proud recruiting news, Sean, some pretty good news for your biggest target left on the 2024 board. I'll let you I'll let you chat. So last month of recruiting, if you guys have been following along with us, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. Uh, there's been some good moments, definitely some disappointing moments. And one of the guys that we have talked about for months and months now is Liam Andrews. And all was kind of quiet on his uh, recruiting trail. He doesn't like tweet a lot. It's very hush-hush. And with guys like that, you know, your actions kind of speak louder than your words. And he visited Penn State early in June. And then he went to Wisconsin. He went to South Carolina. And for a while, you know, he's one of those early uh, June visitors. And we've talked extensively about how, you know, they tend to fall in love with the last place they were, and we were kind of worried that Liam Andrews would. But he took his time. He took a few weeks, and the crystal balls are in, and it looks like he's going to be joining Penn State's class. So he's crystal ball to Penn State. That's not a guarantee, but Penn State definitely looks to be the clear leader right now to be able to land Liam Andrews, and he is a beast. An awesome offensive lineman. He'll probably play defensive line at Penn State, defensive tackle. And he was, in my mind, probably Deion Barnes' biggest target, especially uh, at this stage in the cycle. So we're thrilled to be potentially landing him in a few days. I believe he announces Friday, and then we might be getting another one on Saturday. Yeah, and we always talk about the uh, the Friday commitments. And, I mean, do what you want, but Friday is usually not the best day to commit if you're trying to get a bunch of attention. That's just, I'm not trying to be rude or anything, but I, that's just usually not the best time to do it. I know it's, by the way, still on you, but um, there's a reason why I still have it on your screen, even though I'm talking. Um but, uh, I, I mean, do whatever you want. I will say this. There was a couple kind of crystal ball submissions there. I mean, we, we said this on the last episode too, Sean, that it's a really good thing that he never snap committed after the Wisconsin visit. He never snap committed after the South Carolina visit. That, at least in my opinion, makes me feel a lot better about this than if he committed like the Monday after he visited one of those places. Oh, no doubt, because Penn State was on the receiving end of a couple of those disappointments uh, and guys that are that decide, you know, like you said, the Monday after even the Wednesday or Thursday or Friday after, because, you know, the, the last visit knocked your socks off and hey that's just the way it goes uh we've gotten plenty of guys that way i'm sure and just a clarification he announces on friday so i just want to make that clear 
Yes, 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 yes. Let me uh, try to go to my screen. Look at that. It's like there he is. it's like we've been doing this the whole time. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I guess and then so that that's your favorite player. You still think he plays defense? That's what it seems like. Okay, because it's kind of a good segue to the next kind of question is does he still play defense? Which if you ask Ryan Snyder or Sean Fitz, they think he's better as an offensive lineman. Does he still play defense if Penn State lands a potential target that that commits on Saturday in T.A. Cunningham, who is a defensive lineman that's choosing Penn State or Miami for the most part. There's a couple other teams in his top five, but we think it's between those two. Um, A couple other predictions are in across different recruiting sites. That's, to me, the interesting thing. Deion Barnes, first of all, killing it, because Jalen Harvey's still out there, too. But... Do you play Liam Andrews on offense? Now, again, you have a really good offensive line class at this point, Sean, so maybe you don't worry about that, um, and you just put him where you maybe need him. But if he is a better offensive lineman, now, are you are we splitting hairs here, or is he pretty good at both? Like, who who knows? Um, I'm just kind of interested to see what they do. But also tell us a little bit about T.A. Cunningham as well. Yeah, T.A. Cunningham... He's from Miami, so he's from the Miami area. And the, the the thing with him, he was a five-star recruit, like, last season. So I don't really know what happened with him. I think he might have transferred schools or something like that. And his, um, you know, and his... Um, Rating dropped off a bit. Now, he's still a four-star prospect. He still has plenty of great offers. Um, you know, Miami, uh, Oklahoma, Michigan, among amongst others. And very good football player. 6'6", six, six, uh, and has all the tools to be a really good football player at Penn State. And to uh, pick him up would be really what Deion Barnes wanted. I mean, I think after he missed out on some of our bigger targets, Benedict Dume, Jamonte Waller, it became very, very important to be able to land a combination of Liam Andrews and T.A. Cunningham, and it looks like Deion Barnes is going to be able to land them both. Yeah, and we, and we talked about Dion Barnes quite a bit in the last month or so, and I just feel like he's doing a fantastic job picking up after what John Scott Jr. You know, laid a decent foundation, but I feel like the recruiting has has picked up to a certain degree. Um, honestly, the Benedict Ume situation, like Stanford's recruiting a lot better than they have been, but it just is almost bizarre because I don't think they expected – who made it be absolutely blown away the, the way he was out there. Take that for what it is, but I mean, it just it is what it is. I don't think it was anything Penn State didn't do as much as as maybe what Stanford did out there. Um, more like more like Benedict Arnold, am I right? That's a pretty good one. Thanks, thanks. Paul Love, Paul Love. Um, not that we're comparing Benedict Ume to Benedict no, Arnold. No. Just, having, just having fun. <laughs> um, but no, that, that was pretty clever. I'll give you that. Um, anyone else, I mentioned Jalen Harvey. He's still floating out there as well. Is there anyone else you want to just quickly mention? Penn State's still kind of 
looking at, wanting to see if you know where they're at before we. We know that uh, is it Nigel Smith is 100% going to go into the fall. Is that is that correct? Seems that way. Um, another guy, yeah. I think you, you have to, you know, maybe look out for a little bit is Hardly Gilmore. Uh, he's a Florida kid, uh, wide receiver. Um, he might be a bit of a Kentucky lean right now, but I think Penn State's in it. So maybe keep an eye on him. I thought you said Happy Gilmore at first. I wish. I wish. Uh, that'd be cool. Okay, yeah, sweet. Still uh, a fun name, though. Hardly Gilmore. Yes, no, that's a fantastic name. Uh, His brother's name is Very Gilmore. Very and Happy? Very and Hardly. Oh, hard, oh yeah. Hardly or what would be the Oh, did you say Barely? Uh, very. Oh. Maybe especially. You could do a lot of different things there. You yeah. got a lot of a lot of different options there. Um, okay, I don't think I have a little thing for the predictions, but we'll show you the film room one because it's cool. It's not a film room thing, but we'll show that one anyway because it's cool. And then we'll talk previews with Ohio State and Indiana and Maryland. They they say the audio on YouTube's okay, so it's just coming through through us is not coming out properly for whatever reason. But um, okay, cool, is what it is. Um, we're gonna talk Ohio State first. Does that sound good with you, Sean? Talk about them Buckeyes. Which I get my notes out here. I could write like five pages on Ohio State, honestly. Um, before we get to this, I jokingly named this episode Born on Third Base after what, what Harbaugh said about Ryan Day. I noticed that. Do you, um, do you agree with said comment? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd wonder if even Ryan – now, I know it was an insult – from Jim Harbaugh, but I'm sure if he uh, searches feelings a little bit, I think Ryan Day would realize he was born on third base too. Now, th- does that take away what he what he's done? I don't think so. Uh, but he had a much easier time of it than Jim Harbaugh did at Michigan when he first came in, and especially James Franklin did. Um, you know, when you're following up a legend. First off, it's it's a bit it, it's a bit more complicated than that because you're replacing Urban Meyer. You know you're always going to be compared to Urban Meyer, which he is, and you're going to be in a shadow a little bit. However, if Urban left a good uh, situation for you, which he did, yeah, it's going to make your job a whole lot easier. I mean, to be able to um, inherit uh, the kind of talent he had and the culture he had. But I think now, and maybe even last year, now is when you start seeing how good of a coach Ryan Day is, because this is fully his program now. Urban Meyer last coached Ohio State in 2018. So this is Ryan Day's baby, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and 
My only thing about that is, like, it's true, but it's not like Ryan Day has lost to to pretty much anybody that was bad, right? Like, they've lost to pretty much only good teams. And some of them, like, I mean, it wasn't a great kick, but they were one field goal away from beating Georgia. For, for I mean, that was atrocious kick. but uh, Or in Ohio State fans' situation, they thought there should be a targeting, but... I always say if you're trying to hope for a targeting call to win you a game, that's that's usually not a good uh, good place to be. Um, I just was curious about that because Ryan Day, I think, is a very interesting case. You don't really ever get to um, have a coach that hasn't proven himself to be in a position that he's in very often. So, like, there's no, no one really to compare him to because, I, I mean – Whoever takes over after Nick Saban retires is probably going to be someone who's coached before. Same for Clemson. You know, that's like if Penn State would have, after Joe Paterno was fired, they would have brought in. No, that wouldn't even have been a good example because the Penn State wasn't even at that level. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're, you, it's just, it's hard. And therefore, there's not, there's no real precedent to what to expect. There's no real good comparison. So I think it's an interesting thing. I will say this about Ryan Day. They went out and, and, and gave Jim Knowles a bunch of money last year. And I think it was effective for the most part. But as we get into it, they weren't very good against above, I would say above, against good offenses. I would say good offenses. Um, but against everyone else, they were fantastic. Interesting schedule to me, Sean, that maybe starts my skepticism a little bit about Ohio State this year. They got to go at Notre Dame. They got at Wisconsin, and they have at Michigan, and so and, and of course Penn State at home. Which you know, those aren't easy games. I, I think Notre Dame is going to be a good team. I have no idea what to expect with Wisconsin with, with Luke Fickle, and then going to Michigan. I mean, this got their their brakes beat off of them at home against Michigan last year, um, with a new quarterback. I don't know, Sean. I, I don't like this schedule if I'm an Ohio State fan. Well, it's got a few things going on. Number one, it's not a it's not an easy out of conference. I mean, yeah, they play Youngstown State, they play Western Kentucky. You gotta go to South Bend. And that's gonna be, I'm sure, a ruckus atmosphere. Uh, then a couple weeks later, they host Penn State, and Penn State is um, according to pretty much everybody, either, you know, for top five to top eight team in the country going into this season. Then they got to go up to Camp Randall, and then they're in Ann Arbor. So three of their four toughest games, toughest teams that they play, in my, in my, in my view, are on the road. So anytime anybody is facing something like that, yeah, I mean, a the two-loss season is very much in play. And to me, the game that's going to set the tone for the rest of the season is that Notre Dame game. They, and That's as much of a must-win as Ryan Day has had. You know, losing to Georgia last year, I know it sucked, but people generally did not expect them to win that game. And I know he's lost two straight to, to Michigan – but if if they could beat 
Notre Dame, I really think that puts them on track to be um, at least where they want to be. And they're not going to be looking. And in my mind, they're going to ha- be able to get at least 10 wins. If they lose to Notre Dame, they could, they're staring nine wins straight in the face. Right. If they lose to Notre Dame now, it's like, okay, can they go to Camp Randall and win? Can they beat Penn State at home? Can they? Yeah. Then that becomes, you know. Yeah. Nine wins in Columbus. The, the fans got it. That is way different than nine wins here, guys. Um, I will say this. I think, they, I think he has to beat Michigan. I don't think he's going to get canned. If he doesn't do it, but I I really think he's got to find a way to beat Michigan this year because pe- people are not happy out there with this. If they're nine and three and they lose to Michigan, I think he's going to get fired. That's crazy, isn't it? I it is, but that would be three straight losses against their chief rival, and that's not acceptable at all for Ohio State fans. Um, there's a coach long time ago. Our old heads definitely know him, John Cooper. And John Cooper was a pretty good football coach at Ohio State in the 90s. But he lost to Michigan all the time. So John Cooper was shown the door. And then they brought Jim Tressel in and the dominance began. And I think Ohio State fans will be in a spot where they're going to try to recreate that. And they might even try to bring Urban back, even with all the baggage from Jacksonville. They just want to win, baby. And... If Just he win. were to come back, I think they would win. You might not like him, but the guy's a great college coach. Yeah, that would be the pros, but in college, he's good. That'd be that'd be an interesting thing. Um, let Let's talk about it. Uh, just a couple of random things, random notes. Some of these came from college football news, so shout out to them. Some good previews over there. Um, Ohio State cor- cornerbacks didn't have a single interception last year. And then they're only really one from a safety and ransom who had, who had one interception. So that to me is first of all, just crazy. Um, the secondary was not very good last year. Just to, just to, you know, think of what you will of Sean Clifford, Sean Clifford threw for 371 yards and three touchdowns against them. Um, more importantly, Michigan and Georgia both threw for over 11 yards per attempt against Ohio state. So first of all, Michigan, and that was like people like got on the J.J. McCarthy train right after that, thought he was the best thing since sliced bread after his performance. He had like two touchdown passes where there was nobody around the Michigan player, and they hailed him as like the next best quarterback, and then we saw what happened against TCU. But they made J.J. McCarthy look like Peyton Manning that day. Um, and, then, and then Georgia was able to throw the ball all over the place. So secondary is a concern, Sean. Um, and, and just defense in general. This is a crazy stat. I know it's a lot of yards, but to me, this is still a pretty crazy stat. Ohio State was 6-8 and eight when they allow 485 yards, which I know 485 is a bunch of yards, but 6-8 and eight when they allow 45 yards. First of all, the fact that they still win six games after allowing 500 yards is crazy. But listen to this. When they allow less than 485 yards, they are 61-1. So if, if you're a Penn State fan out there, you kind of need to get to 485 yards offensively, some way, some shape, or form. Then you're in. Then you're in pretty good company. Otherwise, I think it was 2019. Clemson beat beat uh, Ohio State without scoring 485 yards. So you need to get to above 485 if you're going to beat Ohio State. Apparently. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody has that magic number they want to get to. Uh, we spoke pretty extensively about Cliff's magic number. You want to keep him under 35 attempts last season, and when we did, you win if, if you're Penn State. And it's the same thing with Ohio State. I mean, to me, I mean, you think about all the great wideouts they've had. In the past, just the past 10 years, they've had Michael Thomas, Curtis Samuel, Chris Olave, uh, Garrett Wilson. Marvin Harrison's the best one out of all of them in college, at, at the very least. I mean, that this guy is a walking, just game breaker. Uh, 1,263 yards last year, 14 touchdowns. I mean, to score 14 touchdowns in 13 games, I mean, that's very, very impressive. And, um, yeah, I, I think one of the sequences in our game with them last year that gets scrutinized quite a bit is Joey Porter playing off the ball on him on that go-ahead drive, touchdown drive that they had. Um, and, you know, he, he had a big first out on that drive. I thought we did a decent job overall playing him last season. And I know Kalen King has spoken uh, recently about how he can't wait for them for that matchup. And if you're a fan of college football, tune in for that, just for that matchup alone. Even if you're not a fan of either of these teams, like Kalen King versus Marvin Harrison Jr., man, that's, that's going to be some top level football. And you can see you're going to see that matchup for a long time to come. If they, yeah. In the pros. Yeah, no, let, let's stick to the Ohio State offense there. Um, really good last year. Number two in scoring, number nine in total offense, number two in passing efficiency. Um, put up 467 yards of offense and 41 points on Georgia. So Georgia, very good defense. That was impressive. They, of course, lose C.J. Stroud. New quarterback Kyle McCord's all but pretty much going to be the starter there. Six foot three, 215 pounds. You know... Still a really impressive quarterback prospect, but maybe not to the level, at least the hype isn't to the level of the previous like four or five quarterbacks that they've had, right? I mean, you had Barrett, you had, or you had Miller, you had Barrett, you had Haskins, you had Fields, you had Stroud. There's no, I don't want to be knocking Kyle McCord before he really goes out there. First of all, he didn't do, didn't look fantastic in the spring game. Uh, when he had a, a a great opportunity to to take the role, um, but the hype isn't as crazy now. That being said, you mentioned Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, the other tandem to that is Emeka Egbuka, who also had 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns. So he's going to have plenty of weapons. Cade Stover, Julian Fleming, he he's going to have plenty of people to throw the football to that will make him look better. I'm sure he's going to have games where he throws or five touchdown passes against somebody like Indiana or Western Kentucky. And he looks like the next CJ Stroud, et cetera. But I'm not, I'm not convinced that he's to that level yet, Sean. I mean, we'll wait and see. There's going to be plenty of opportunities to see that. But like you said, going into South Bend early in the year, you know, what is he going to show up? We're going to learn a lot about him right then and there. Yeah, no doubt. I think Ohio State 
in the past, uh, really since the day, the, the early days of Urban Meyer, I think they've earned the benefit of the doubt when it comes to quarterbacks. They won a national championship with their third string quarterback in Cardell Jones. And that's just kind of what they do. And they have a system. And if you could, you know, execute that system, it's very quarterback friendly. You're always going to have great wide receivers. Your line, which I'm a bit iffy on with, with them this year, we'll get to that. And you usually have a good running back next to you. So... And just your overall talent is usually so much better than everybody else in the Big Ten, not named Michigan and Ohio State. So that also helps. And yeah, McCord, uh, Penn State recruited him. Uh, Penn State also recruited Marvin Harrison Jr. They were high school teammates. And, um, you know, I liked him as a quarterback prospect, but we've never seen him play before. And they're breaking in a and anytime you do break in a new quarterback, I mean it's not just written in stone that Ohio State's going to pit that their quarterback's going to be good, but they you, you have to acknowledge their track record of having their quarterbacks ready for prime time because that's just what they've done. Yeah, and again, I think we talked to some of the offensive weapons at receiver, but and tight end, but also they bring back Travian Henderson. Who, who really didn't have a good year last year, was kind of banged up for a lot of it after having a really good year, freshman year. We told you this last year, if you were here last year, we both really liked Mayan Williams, and, and he ended up having a really good year, uh, 15 touchdowns on the year. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he well, he got banged up during the Penn State game, but I think he got banged up during the Georgia game too. Um, in his career, he's averaging 6.7 yards per carry. So, uh there's going to be plenty of weapons around Kyle McCord to, to kind of figure it out. I do want to talk about the offensive line, though, because that is the second reason that I'm a little bit skeptical of, of what Ohio State's going to be. Because if they can't protect Kyle McCord, I mean, it, it could be an ugly sight. I mean, we don't know how good he's going to be. I mean, they lose right tackle Dewan Jones. They lose left tackle Paris Johnson. And then they lose their center as well. So they, they bring back both of their guards, and then they have Josh Fryer, who is kind of like their sixth man that will probably play at the left offensive tackle spot. Um, and they bring in Josh Simmons, that's a San Diego State transfer. So they've got a couple guys coming in, but to me, Sean, no knock on San Diego State, which, by the way, they're going to stay in the Mountain West. I don't know if you saw that or not, but no disrespect to San Diego State, but if I'm Ohio State and I'm relying on a Mountain West offensive tackle to fill a hole, that to me is a little bit alarming. No, I mean, again, no knock here, but the place that is recruiting at the level Ohio State is to potentially have to patch a hole like that, especially when they knew Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones were going to be going to the NFL. So I'm just interested to see what happens. And again, are they going to be good enough offensive line-wise to win most of their games? Yes. But... You start looking at a Penn State game, which this is a Penn State podcast, and you start to like that matchup a little bit more if you're a Penn State fan. You start to think, okay, Tom Robinson's going up against a guy who didn't start last year. Adisa Isaac's going to go up against a guy that might have been playing in the Mountain West if it wasn't for the transfer portal. And then, you know, you can work your way in from there. Maybe I start to like that a little bit more from a Penn State fan. And, and you mentioned uh, on the uh, we were texting back and forth, and it's a good point. The last time Penn State beat 
Ohio State, they were able to get after the quarterback very successfully. A Herculean experience by Evan Schwan and Garrett Sickles, which I really don't understand where that came from. Um, Brandon Bell, Jason Cabinda as well, uh, which, again, they have Abdul Carter, Curtis Jacobs, plenty of blitzing linebackers that can get there as well. Um, it makes you feel a little bit better going up against Ohio State, given maybe, I don't want to call it a hole on, on Ohio State's offense, but maybe just a little bit weaker than it usually is at quarterback and also the offensive tackles positions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, them, they had probably the best offensive tackle combination in college football last season. Uh, Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones, they both have the ability to be starting offensive tackles in the, in the NFL. And it, it, it really helped them, especially in our game last year against them. I mean, I think, a, I think we only had one sack. It was or one or two sacks. I think one of them might've been a Johnny Dixon uh, blitz at the end of, or he might've hurried them. But anyway, our defensive ends were pretty neutralized uh, the entire game. And I don't think it's going to be the case this season. And if you're Penn state, it can't be the case. Like we have the dar ends have to be able to get home if we're going to uh, beat them. And yeah, I mean, the last time we beat them was really the last time our defensive tackle or defensive ends had a day against Ohio state. And it was probably the first, well, maybe not the first time, but the last time that I've seen Penn State's defensive line win the game against against Ohio State. And I think they had the potential to do that this year. And they're going to have to. Two sacks. You were correct. Johnny Dixon did sack him. I think, did he kind of fall a little bit? I don't know. And then Abdul Carter got a sack as well. Yeah, it was that weird thing at the end of the second quarter where they were trying to yeah, they messed greedy that up bad. That, yeah. was a, that was very greedy of them. That was, a, to be honest with you, that was like a young Ryan Day coaching moment, right? Like, right before the half. That kind of stuff it, he does, yeah. Right before the half, you take your points in, a, in an environment like that, and you go in to the half. You don't give a bunch of momentum heading to the locker room like that. That reminded me almost of uh, 2017 when we were out at Iowa, and they had that interception right before the half. And you're just like, that's not what you you don't want to get the home team believing in the upset going into the locker room. That 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 that's not what you want to do there. So that worked out really well for Penn State. Um, Matthew Jones and Donovan Jackson are the are the two guards there um, that I wanted to mention. I want to talk defense though, because to me, like they're going to have a good offense. They have so many weapons there. Like they're going to score a bunch of points. Uh, but defense defense is a little bit more interesting to me because. And I really want to like focus on the the secondary because they have Denzel Burke, who is good, really good, but and will play in the NFL good, but maybe hasn't lived quite up to the expectation yet. Um, and then they had J.K. Johnson, who transferred to LSU, so they lost him. And then they bring in Ole Miss transfer Davison Igbenosen. That's my best guess at that word. Um, so we'll see how good how good he is. And then do bring back uh, Lathan Ransom and Josh Proctor, who Josh Proctor is very good as well. But again, not a bunch of production as far as like passing 
to passes defended stats go. And so I really think the secondary is the place to kind of watch. You know, they run such a 4-2-5, attacking 4-2-5, I think Sean likes to call it all the time. Um, and I think sometimes it leaves those guys out in islands, and, and, and it just, I don't know. I, maybe they don't trust the front seven enough, and they're kind of creeping in the backfield, and they're getting burned over the top. I'm not really sure, but I think the secondary has to improve if Ohio State wants to reach the goals they want to reach. Uh, good news for Penn State, though, is, again, Sean Clifford threw for 371 yards against pretty much the same secondary. Maybe even, we don't know yet, but maybe even a smidgen worse. Um, and the interceptions that he had, what? I don't know if any of them were to the actual defensive backs or turnovers. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so either. So, um, so anyway, I'm just thinking secondary is a spot to definitely watch. If you're Penn State, you feel kind of good about it. And then, Sean, the linebackers, I guess from a from a veteran perspective, if you're a high State you're fan, you're you're okay with, right? You got uh, Katron Allen's buddy, Tommy Eichenberg, who had 120 tackles and 12 TFLs. Um, did have a huge missed tackle in that Penn State Ohio State game. Katron Allen just weight weight roomed him into the end zone for the touchdown. And then they do bring back Steel Chambers, who had 77 tackles last year. So, and then Cody Simon's a name you should really know and get get used to. Um, but Sean, how do you feel about Mr. Tommy Eichenberg? You know, when I watched, he, he he's good. He's 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 good. Um, when I watched when I watched him get run through by Jay Trent Allen, it was very reminiscent to me of Manti Teo getting run over by Alabama's running backs. And I mean that in that was the first time when I saw Manti Teo that I was like, huh. Maybe this guy isn't as good as people are saying he is. And it was sort of an alarm bell for me. And that was a little bit of an alarm bell for me with Tommy Eichenberg. Um, I think he's, I think he's pretty good. Would I take him on the team? Sure. Um, but like, I know PFF had him as a preseason, all big 10 guy. I don't see that. Like, and they, they only named two linebackers to their all defense team. I I would take Abdul Carter over him. And you know, Abdul Carter might not have the gaudy stats. He only started part of the year last season. But he just makes so much more of an impact on your game. Tommy Eichenberg, you know, he'll he'll get a lot of tackles. He had over 70 solo tackles last year. That's nothing to sneeze at. But I I don't see an impact guy with him. I see a guy that gets a that gets a lot of stats and those could be that there could be some empty calories in there so uh he's good but that's that's kind of what i think with him i like i like calling that empty calories i think that's an interesting one but yeah he's good he's gonna play in the nfl i'm sure um had 15 tackles last year against penn state but i don't really remember him like you said making that crazy impact and if you're telling me i can put penn state's tight ends on him in the passing game, I, I'm excited about that. Um, I think 
don't quote me on this, but I think when they ran the trot line formation out wide, then they threw the pass on fourth and one to Ty Warren. I, I think Eichenberg was covering him. I'm, I'm not positive, but I think Eichenberg was covering him. Um, I almost had something wrong with the computer there for a second. Uh, yes. Now, as you get closer and closer to the to the line of scrimmage, Sean, it gets more and more impressive with with Ohio State. They they did lose uh, Javante Jean Baptiste to Notre Dame, which is pretty interesting that he could be sacking his own former teammate in a couple months. Um, and they do lose defensive end Zach Harrison, who Zach Harrison, big time. Penn State really wanted Zach Harrison. I again, no knock on Zach Harrison because I think he had a, a better year last year than previous years. I don't think Zach Harrison ever really bloomed the way I, I think they were hoping him to. Like he didn't turn into a Noah Spence. He didn't turn into um, a, a Boza. He was good, but he wasn't. He wasn't ever crazy, amazing, game wrecking, crazy good like maybe JT uh, Tuomaloa ended up being. And JTT is back, and so is defensive end five-star Jack Sawyer, who's going to play a lot more. Jack Sawyer is another guy that's been around for a, a decent bit being a five-star guy. So it'll be interesting to see if he now makes his name for himself as a starter. Um, but they're so good at the defensive end position, so much talent there. Uh, defensive tackle, you got to be careful about Michael Hall Jr. He, he, he's very good, too. Um they're going to be good at the defensive end position, regardless of who's there because of who's coaching there. Uh, but that's probably, again, to me, Sean, it kind of lines up better than usual for Penn State, though. Good defensive ends, got it. Well, Penn State actually has probably their best two offensive tackles they've had at the same time in how many years. Now, you can say what you want about, um, why can't I think of his name? Caden Wallace. Yes, thank you. Um, I almost said someone way not Caden Wallace. Um, but obviously, Olu Fashion is going to do his own thing. So I don't know, Sean. I, I think I think they match up pretty well against Ohio State that year, this year. That That's pretty much all I wouldn't wanted to say on the Buckeyes. Yeah, there are a lot of favorable matchups. Uh, like you said, um, uh, JTT is back. Now, I'd also remind everybody, JTT was kind of seen as a little disappointing in Buckeye land until that Ohio, that Penn State explosion where he just took the game over. I mean, they don't beat us last year without him. And, you know, tip of the cap to him. Uh, anytime a guy does that to you, you're not going to underestimate him. And you're expecting him to make a big impact this year. And can I, I can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah. Go ahead. 2022 season for JTT ended the season with 16 solo tackles, three and a half sacks, one forced fumble, and two interceptions. So just just keep that in mind. So what I just said there, he had six of those tackles against Penn State. He had two of those three and a half sacks against Penn State. He had the forced fumble and the two interceptions against Penn State. There was one, two, three, four, 
five, six, seven, eight, nine games where he didn't even register a sack. And there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games where he had less than three tackles. So he literally made all of his money against Penn State. Didn't do anything against Georgia. Didn't do anything against Notre Dame. Just one game, basically. But it was it was a really important one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> I don't know why he couldn't do it against anybody else. But um, but anybody who does that, I mean, wow, they at least gain your respect and they showed that you're capable of doing that. And he didn't do it against Rutgers. He didn't do it against, um, you know, Youngstown State. He did it against Penn State. And I know, you know, Big Slab, uh, we all love Big Slab here. Um, not the most talented guy in the world, but, I mean, he wasn't a slouch. And he just manhandled them. And it, it, it was ugly. It was ugly then. Uh, I would remind people, though, Caden Walsh was out that game. And maybe if we have Caden Walsh, maybe that doesn't happen. Um, let, us know, other... let us know on YouTube as well what, what your thoughts are on Ohio State. You, you uh, may be a little bit more skeptical of, of Ohio State this year, and, and let us know. Sean, sorry, Sean. Wrap up. Hey, you're good. You're good. Uh, and I share your opinion of Jack Sawyer. I was actually expecting a lot more from him last year. And you know, but I did, did his big year might be this year. And the one thing I could tell you, if you have something, if you have something in you, Larry Jackson's going to bring it out of you. And I fully expect those guys to both take a step forward this year. And that could potentially spell bad news for us. Good thing we have the best left tackle in college football. Now. That's why you got him. It makes like things it makes things a little bit better. Um, that's for sure. Uh, let's just wake everyone up a little bit for a second here. That wasn't. I think YouTube heard it well. But uh, I don't think the podcast got it as clean as it usually is. Um, Christoph on YouTube says, I would like to be more skeptical, but they just substitute talent with more talent. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, you ready to talk Indiana and Maryland? You're muted still. One more thing I'm going to say. Okay. You know, I remember being in Vermont last year. That's where I did the Ohio State preview. And just researching Ohio State and being like, man, oh, man, this is such a horrible matchup for us. And this year, as I'm going through them, and obviously they're an impressive group, I a lot, a lot less doom and gloom. And made me feel kind of okay. And it was the first time, like, I, I know Ohio State pretty well, but it was the first time I really looked at them in depth. And I got to say, like, this is probably our best chance to beat them since 2017. So, got to go do it. Like, this, 
I think this is the year to go do it if we're going to, especially if we're going to do it in Columbus. So we are. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I think that's I think that's some good points there. Um, yeah. I, I, I like the defensive ends versus their offensive line, to be honest with you. Like, I like Manny Diaz versus a quarterback that maybe doesn't have the same amount of experience. Like, those things get me more excited. Obviously, you can turn that around and say Jim Knowles versus Draller could get Ohio State excited, excited too. Like, I get that. Um, but who knows? We'll see. Anyway. Uh, it was fun, kind of. It, it really felt like the season was getting close. Looking up Ohio State stuff, so that's always good. Uh, let's go Indiana next. Big Tom Allen fan here, and Sean, did you know this is Tom Allen's eighth year as head coach of Indiana already? Can you believe that? I think I read that. Yeah, that seems like he just got there. Is that yeah. his eighth year as a head coach? At at Indiana, yeah. Man. Yeah. Um, Indiana, not, not doing very well. Last 25 games, they are six and 19. And of those six wins, Sean, two of them are against Idaho and two of them are against Western. Oh, 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 sorry. Pause, pause, pause. Rewind one second. Want to say one last thing on Ohio state. Watch the Ohio state, Western Kentucky game because Western Kentucky is going to throw the ball all over the place. And it will be a good test for that Ohio State secondary. So just tune into that. Okay, now let me go back. I like that. Um, Indiana, six wins, two of them against Idaho, two of them against Western Kentucky in the last 25 games. Uh, not not great there. Uh, remember that 2020 magical season? It, it hasn't been anywhere close to that since then. Um, worse in the Big Ten in total defense, pass defense, tackles for a loss allowed time of possession, and yards per completion. So they just really couldn't do anything right. Um, but I like two things, about, or three things about this Indiana team. Number one, they bring in a bunch of transfers, a bunch of what I think are actually some pretty good transfers, low-key good transfers. Number two, they hired offensive line coach Bob Bobstad who coached with Wisconsin for 12 years as an offensive line coach. So Indiana is going to be holding everybody. It's going to be fantastic. And then number three, they hired Matt Guterri, to who I believe was an assistant at Ohio State for a little bit, um, to call the defense. So Tom Allen's not calling the defense anymore. He got someone in to call the defense. They got a new offensive line coach because their offensive line was just so bad. If you go back and watch the Indiana-Michigan game and watch Michigan's defensive line just just destroy Indiana's offensive line the entire day. Um, not much better when Penn State got to do it either. Uh, but anyway, those are the three things just right off the bat, Sean, that I do like. They have a big game against Louisville in the, uh, the non-conference. Louisville is like a low-key people like Louisville this year to, to make some moves. So if Indiana can find a way to beat Louisville, that'd be that'd be big time. But uh, those are my first preliminary thoughts, Sean. So it's definitely Louisville and not Louisville. It's Louisville. Louisville. Yeah, no Louis. Louisville. Louisville. Okay. Yep. I, that, that's how they say it down south, at least. All right. All right. I'll take that. Yeah. Um, it's been a tough time for the Hoosiers. 
and uh, I think I've mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I'll reiterate it again. Indiana, the school does not care much at all about the football program. Like, this is probably the worst place to coach in the Big Ten. And I know there was some debate, you know, especially with Pat Fitzgerald getting fired about, you know, was that the worst job? And I think of this. This is how bad it was. Tom Allen couldn't hire. Had had to Tom Tom Allen had to pay out of pocket for a coordinator. I mean that's that's unheard of. That's Mickey Mouse. Wow. Stuff. I mean, you just you don't do that if you're a serious football program. Uh, yeah, I think their hires in the offseason, though. I'll back Corey up on that. Bob Bob Bob. Bob Bob Bostad. It is hard uh, to say. Yeah, that. What were his parents <laughs> thinking? Just go by Robert. <laughs> um, he could be Robert Robstad or Robert Robertstad. <laughs> <laughs> if he was Robert, he'd, he'd switch the B with an with an R for Robstad. Um, anyway, yeah, they needed him because that was probably the worst offensive line we played last year. It just felt like every other play we, it was a sack and. It, the uh, it's going to be tough sled in the Big Ten. Um, they r- randomly lost Jack Tuttle to Michigan. I uh, don't really know what happened there, uh, but I think they could they could actually potentially see um, an upgrade at quarterback this year with uh, Taven Jack Jackson. Tuttle, Jack Tuttle just seems like a, a Michigan quarterback though, so it makes sense some way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah, it does, especially like like just a random backup. He and played Penn State while he was in the transfer portal. Yeah, he did. I remember talking about that with you, and I was like, yeah, this is this new thing that goes on, the guys playing while they're in the portal. <laughs> uh, Cam Camper's back. Uh, we both like Cam Camper. Uh, I think that really yes, hurt their yes, offense last year when they lost him. Um, uh, they lost I, – I, he did not play against Penn State, and that really that, – that just took the wind out of their sails, and – you know, they like to throw the ball around the yard. That's kind of been a staple since the Kevin Wilson days out there. And they just – they didn't have the horses to do that last year. When you don't have the guys to run that style, it's basically you'll complete a pass for two yards on a bubble screen and then throw two more incompletions, and you took a grand total of 40 seconds off the clock and you're punting again. And that is not yeah. fun to watch. <laughs> that, uh, you know what? During that Indiana game last year, they dropped a bunch of footballs too. I feel like they dropped a bunch of passes, and that you're right, that doesn't help things for your defense. So that that's a good point. Um, yeah, I did like Cam Camper. He has an ACL tear, so we'll see how he comes back from that. Yeah, yeah, and they're gonna they're definitely um, they're definitely gonna need him, and. If on offense, yeah, I think it's all about uh, getting that quarterback situation straight and hopefully fixing the offensive line. And you know, like I said, when the air, when that air attack is working, I mean it. It's a fun offense to watch, but you got to be able to be clicking everywhere in your offense, or yeah, it gets ugly quick. Um, you want to talk a little bit about the defense? Um, let me just real quick add, because I don't want to spend as much time, obviously, on Indiana that we did Ohio State. I just wanted to add Matthew Bedford, really good right tackle. They bring in Max Longman, a UMass 
transfer at offensive line. Um, Jalen Lucas, name to know, really fast guy, good returner. I think he's going to be involved quite a bit this year for them. And then uh, two other former four stars that they have, Omar Cooper at wide receiver and EJ Williams at wide receiver. So they might actually have some formidable weapons on the outside to do something. So, I mean, they won. They ended up winning four games last year, Sean, and I thought they were horrendous. So, yeah, I mean, I think this year's team potentially could be a lot better. And I'm not saying that this year's team is going to be good, but I just think they were so awful last year that I think their offense could be so much better than it was last year because last year they were just just terrible. But, I mean, two more wins, they can get the bowl eligibility. I mean, that's their offense is going to be better than it was last year to maybe get them to two more wins. I mean, their offense was just awful last year. And then, like you said, their best player, Cam Camper, gets hurt. I mean, for for a team like – it's not like Penn State. It's not like Ohio State where you have other really good players. You got one really amazing game changer. You don't have them. You're going to be in deep trouble. And uh, anyway, their offense, Josh Henderson at running back. Uh, and then they also bring – they have a Christian Turner, Wake Forest transfer um, to pay attention to a running back as well. So, But Jalen Lucas, if you can remember one thing when we play uh, when we play Indiana, Jalen Lucas. But now we can talk defense. Yeah, they. Um, I remember the Michigan game last year. They were just force-feeding Jalen Lucas the ball, just trying to get him out in space. And that was really their offense the second half of the season. So – um, but yeah, I, I did like what they did a bit in the portal this seat, this, uh, this past season. Um, yeah, uh, on defense, like you said, new guy calling the plays, uh, Tom Allen actually took over the play calling last year on defense, uh, didn't really work. Um, I was pretty unimpressed by their defense overall. Um, yeah. And, uh, it, Aaron Casey, he is the he's back at linebacker, uh, pretty good player there, and um, they focused heavily on the transfer portal to rebuild their defensive line, and um, yeah, uh, there's there's a lot there's going to be a lot of new faces for this team in general, especially on defense because they focus so heavily on um, on the transfer portal, and now they're going to have a new uh, defensive play caller. So, uh, I mean, they, it's one of those deals, like you said, like last year, we pretty much knew going in that Indiana was going to be pretty bad and they do have the unfortunate reality of playing in the big 10 East where you have to play Ohio state, Penn state, Michigan every year. But the thing is like, I, I'm not expecting Michigan State to be anything special. Rutgers is Rutgers, and that's probably going to be a winnable game. And I don't trust Maryland any farther than I could throw Mike Loxley. So, yeah, I could see six wins. I really could. I could too, Sean. I could too. And you know I love Tom Allen, so... Uh, I will say this about their defense. Their defensive line is is going to be much better than last year. Uh, we talked about the defensive tackle, J.H. Tevis, before. I think he transferred last year. Really like him. Um, 
They bring in Andre Carter, the defensive line, Western Michigan transfer. He's in his sixth year. So you got some experience there. They also bring in defense tackle Philip Felidi from Texas Tech. So you got some options there. Now, this is the this is a common thing that's going to keep popping up as we preview some of these lower tier teams. Um, they lose their best players. Like they lost uh Desan McCullough to Oklahoma. And that was like their best player. Like he's a stud. He's going to be a really good linebacker for Oklahoma. That sucks, in my opinion. Like that sucks about the transfer portal because if they had him on this defense, I'm feeling pretty good about their defense because I think they have a really formidable front four. And then they have um, Aaron Casey, who was actually their leading tackler last year. If they had McCauley, you'd feel pretty good about that front seven all of a sudden. And you really needed to feel good about the front seven because the secondary is awful. Um, they, they lost four guys in the second. They lost Taiwan Mullen, who two years ago was fantastic for them. Uh, at the corner spot. They lost another corner, Christopher Keys, to Mississippi State. They're bringing in um, two guys from Stanford, one linebacker uh, and Jacob Magnum Ferris, I, I think is how you say it. I can't read my own handwriting, who had 85 tackles for Stanford at linebacker. And they're also bringing in a corner, Nicholas Toomer from Stanford, and another corner in Jamler Johnson from Texas. So they're bringing in a bunch of transfers. We'll see how they pay off for them. Um, but but they lost a lot in the secondary, and then of course losing Dayson really really stinks. So I want to feel good about it, but they're going to have probably seven new uh, defenders in the defense, along with a new new guy calling the shots with a play calling, like you said. So we'll have to wait and see. But Sean, I'm, I'm with you. Just to wrap it up one more time, I I think six wins is 100% possible for Tom Allen's crew. I, I mean. I'm going to be optimistic about it because I want to see Indiana do well. And they're going to really, you could argue Maryland and Indiana, two teams we're going to be talking about right now today, are really going to benefit when they go away from divisions moving forward. Like Maryland, if they're in the West, no we're, probably, we're talking about Maryland potentially winning the West maybe. if they're, over, they're, they're at least in the conversation. Indiana, what would they have been after that 2020 year if they were in the West versus if they were just beat back down in the East? I don't know. It's fun to think about. Um, any other final thoughts on on Indiana before we get to my favorite football team besides Penn State? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, just looking at their schedule, uh, their crossovers kind of tough. Uh, they got Wisconsin, Illinois, and Purdue. I mean, they'll they'll probably beat Purdue. Um, don't know about Indiana or Wisconsin, but, um, or Illinois or Wisconsin, excuse me. I think they randomly beat Illinois last year, though. So, you never know what could happen. They did. (laughs) Yeah, and then out of conference, yeah, like you said, they play, uh, the Louisville Cardinals, and, yeah, I could see six wins. Maybe I'll be optimistic. Maybe I'm in a good mood today. Maybe I'll say they get six wins. But I I don't know about beating your Nittany Lions. So. Um, are you going to be optimistic about Maryland, too? No, they suck. Okay. <laughs> Sean, you're going to have to hear it one more time. Just remind me again about Maryland and Michigan State last year and who you thought was going to be the fourth best team in the Big Ten East. You're the only person on planet Earth that remembers that. 
besides me because you remind me all the time. Yes, Maryland was better than Michigan State. Um, you taking Maryland to be better than Michigan State this year? Mm. Should I record this? <laughs> Wait till we preview Michigan State. Okay, fair enough. Yep. Because um, I want to take a better look at them. Okay, that's fair. Uh, eight and five last year was Maryland. Four and five in the in the Big Ten. Mike Loxley's been at Maryland for five. This is, will be his fifth year. So, kind of crazy, in my opinion. They actually play Michigan State. We should just call that the Hardcore Penn State Football Bowl. Um, they play Michigan State to open the Big Ten schedule on September 23rd. So, we'll know early, baby, on who, who's the better team. Uh, they're looking for back-to-back winning seasons for the first time since 2013-2014. So, it's been a little bit for them. Uh, back-to-back wins against Sparty, too. Oh, really? Nice. Good pool. Um, they bring in Kevin Sumlin and former Penn State wide receivers coach Josh Gaddis. So they've got some experienced um, former play callers there to, to help them out. Uh, five seconds, Sean. Tell me, what are your thoughts on Kevin Sumlin? Keep it keep it short. I'm just I don't think we ever talked about Kevin Sumlin before on the show. <laughs> we have not. Um... Well, fun fact for you, I, I kind of think Johnny Manziel was a little overrated in college. So. Okay. Um, good play caller, but I wouldn't want him as my head coach. Okay, fair enough. Um, fun stat for you. Again, I think this comes from college football news, I'm pretty sure. Um, not including playoff teams, which I'm pretty sure would just be Ohio State Michigan. Maryland averaged only allowing six points in the second half of their games against everybody else, which is pretty damn impressive. So um, second half team last year for Maryland, maybe? That is, that is that is a fun stat. And, God, we didn't do much at all against them in the second half. No. I mean, it was a monsoon. Like, the skies yes. completely opened up. But, yeah, we our offense totally stalled in the second half against them. Right. That, that's my fun fact for you. Um, yeah. I give you actually quite a bit of fun facts, so you're welcome for that. Uh, Sean, let's talk offense first. What you got? Yeah, like you said, uh, they bring in two good offensive minds. I'll give them that. Um, Kevin Sumlin and Josh Gaddis and Mike Laxley himself. I never took that away from him. I mean, he was a he was the offensive coordinator, I believe, on a national championship uh, Alabama team. So, I mean. That, that speaks for itself. Uh, Talia Tungabailoa, uh, my guy Tua, his brother, uh, he's coming back this season. Um, you know, second team all Big Ten last year, uh, had 51 touchdowns total in his college career, and really made a nice career for himself at Maryland. Um, I will say he tends to struggle against better teams up against better defenses um and that's sort that that's been that's been uh the rub with him uh roman hemby uh he's a guy you're gonna hear his name a lot when they play penn state you're gonna hear his name a lot during the season i had a very good freshman campaign last year he had 10 touchdowns and um third among all uh all uh, college football freshmen uh with uh 
1,287 yards from scrimmage last year. So big thing that we're going to be trying to do with him is, um, you know, limit his impact on the game. I think we did. He, he played last year against us, right? He was in there, right? Was he hurt? I'm not sure. I can't remember. I feel yeah. like he didn't play. Yeah, I want to say he was injured because either that or he was a complete non-factor. But I'm pretty sure. I think I remember him being injured. Um, Sean Jones um, is their leading wide receiver coming back. Um, you know, they, they they could always throw the ball, Maryland. I mean, and I expect that to continue with uh, uh, just an interject. Soft- Interject real quick. He did play 13 carries, 68 yards. So he did average 5.2 yards per carry. Yeah, that's uh, not bad. Only one catch, though, for no yards. So overall, did pretty good against him. Held him to 60, 68 total yards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was the biggest part. Uh, the, the He was kind of the spark plug of their offense last season. Um, for Maryland, though, if I were a Maryland fan, I would worry – well, I'd worry about their late season collapse. That's inevitably going to happen. But I would worry. <laughs> I'd, I'd worry about their offensive line. How do you prepare for the? How do you prepare for the collapse? You just do. You're just like, well, here it comes. It's getting a little colder when the when the leaves start to fall. So does Maryland. So that's sort of what I'm expecting again because that's what Mike Loxley gives us. Every every year around the time you turn the clocks back. So, did you uh, did you mention Prather? Oh yeah yeah yeah, Caden Prather. So uh, he was uh, transfer portal guy. Penn State was after him. Uh, very very talented transfer guy. I I I was hoping Penn State would be able to bring him in. Uh, obviously didn't. Uh, liked him in in when he was uh when he was a recruit as well. So he's going to be joining Maryland's uh, receiving core this year. So I do think they'll be able to put some points up against some teams, but I'm not sure Penn State's going to be one of those teams they're able to put points up on. I don't know if Penn State offered Jairis Chambers from FIU. I feel like they did. Um, 96. Uh, I remember the name. Yeah. 1,600 yards and 13 touchdowns in two years at FIU. He's a littler guy, if I remember correctly, but um, still impressive. They also offered that one guy from UCF that I think ended up – USF that ended up at uh, Colorado. But anyway, um, you're going to talk offensive line. Oh, I want to mention they lost a tight end to Alabama in the transfer portal. Um, you wanna, you're going to talk offensive line next, which is great. I wanted to mention – they bring in a transfer offensive lineman, Gottlieb Aedesi. Gosh, i just awful with names. I'm sorry. But he is from a college that I had not heard of until the other day. Frostburg State. Have you heard of Frostburg State before? No. Where's that at? It's in Maryland. Frostburg, Maryland. So... If anyone's from Frostburg, Maryland, I will give you $5. Just let me know. Um, it, actually, if someone is a Frostburg alum, I will give you $5. Yeah, there are a lot of funky names, especially out. Like, I was thinking it might have been a Western PA thing. because I was we thinking were, it was like Minnesota or like 
You know what I mean? Like you think Frostburg, yeah. you're thinking yeah, like because Frost, yeah. Frost. Yeah, like the, the other side going. of like Game of Thrones North Wall or something. Right. Yeah, I could see Minnesotans talking in their um, Sarah Palin sounding accent going oh up to Frostburg, you know. Sarah Palin's not from Minnesota. I know, but she talks like she's from Minnesota. You betcha. <laughs> it could be from Alaska, too. Anyway, I thought that was funny. Uh, I assume you were going to mention offensive tackle Delmar Glaze, which is just a great name. Uh, he's he's a good tackle. But, yeah, I mean, if any Penn State fan has to feel good about their defensive line versus Maryland's just based off of last year, like, Tiger Bailoa just ran for his life. You know what I'm not looking forward to, though? And I'm sorry I have to bring this up. I am not looking forward to the inevitable guarantee that Matt Millen calls that game. <laughs> you know he will. You know it's yeah. going to be him. You know he's going to get that game. Oh, as I go down. Yep. Yeah, 3.30 DTN kickoff. There, there he is. Mustache <laughs> man himself. You know, you know, and he's not going to still be able to say Tagovailoa to save his life. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we love Matt, but uh, I'm announcing games. <laughs> uh, that, that seriously makes me want to, like, tear up. That is just the funniest thing, thinking about how you know he's going to call that game. Um, like you said, four new <laughs> offensive linemen yeah. that they're going to have this year at Maryland. So, yeah, I think Tagovailoa, I don't even know how he says it. He, he mixes it up every time, but... um. Tagovailoa is going to be running for his life. I think the proper pronunciation is Tagovailoa. Um, but it's spelled Tagovailoa. But it's made You know what? Even if he got as close as I get to it, I would be okay. Yeah, because that's fine. Yeah. He doesn't even... I mean, I, I don't know what... I don't, I don't know, know why he just doesn't call him Talia. <laughs> I don't know. Like Tua, everybody just calls him Tua. Just call him Talia. Is it, but maybe, I think he calls him tall. Does he call him Talia too? Oh, he probably does. <laughs> um, let's talk defense, Sean. Because we got a lot of fan questions to talk about too. Um, only five starters are back. They bring in from St. Francis University, Don Donnell Brown, who had 10 and a half sacks and 23 TFLs in two years at San Francis. Uh, they also bring in Jordan Phillips, a defensive tackle from Tennessee. Um, and so they got they got some options there. Aaron, uh, Andrew Redding on, on YouTube says, I still can't believe somehow that one betting site had Maryland favored over PSU. Like, did you see last year's game? Yeah, that was weird that that for a second they, they had him favored. Yes. Like, recently. I mean. Yeah. Give me the money. Oh, yeah. you know what? I, I really want to mention this. Some of those betting websites, I don't know what they watch. It's even worse seeing the political bets they make. <laughs> you get into political betting, Sean? I don't, but I see some of the stuff they say. And Makes you want to get on there a little I'm bit, like, doesn't okay. it? Like, <laughs> okay. That's funny. It, it does, because I think, like, yeah, some of the stuff I'm like, um, you really saying this? <laughs> uh, cornerback... Okay. <laughs> Cornerback Jaquan Shepard, transfer from Cincinnati. I think he's going to be really good. Very good. So pay attention to him. And they also bring in Avante Williams, uh, safety from Miami, that I wanted to mention. 
They did lose a defensive tackle on Messiah Nassili to Auburn that I wanted to mention. So kind of an unknown on their defense. They're not really known for playing great defense. They do have some good linebackers back. Uh, Jay Sean Barham, very good player there. But to be honest with you, I would be really salty if I was a Maryland fan about Chop Robinson, to be honest with you. I'd be super salty because uh, they just don't have anybody like that you're really afraid of, right? Like, they just don't have anybody. They all, I feel like Maryland always has one or two good guys in a secondary, like Nick Cross, you know what I mean? Like, But they just, yeah, overall, not terrified of them. But anyway, that's what I got for the defense, Sean. Anything to add? Yeah, um, Jay Sean Barnum, uh, he stands out to me. Uh, he was a guy that I really wanted a couple of years ago in in recruiting, and he had a he had a good season last year as well uh, with 58 tackles. And he's still a young guy. Uh, there, where I would worry if I was a Maryland fan uh, on defense is that secondary. It's kind of patched together, and they weren't very good last year. So uh, they gave up a bunch of big plays against teams. Uh, they're really prone to that. So as, you know, like, and this is kind of an issue with Mike Moxley. Like, okay, you added offensive minds to your offense, to your offensive room. But first off, you already have yourself. And, I I will always respect Mike Loxley as an offensive as an offensive uh, as an offensive mind. Fix your defense. Like if you just fix your defense, you're gonna win eight games. Uh, the Big Ten East, yeah, I mean it's it's tough, but if they here we go with Michigan State, yeah, if if their defense was better, I would fully expect them to beat Michigan State this year because I don't think Michigan State's any damn good really. Um, but it's hard to say that because I know how bad their defense could be and how prone to, uh, big plays they are. So I'm not feeling particularly great about this, uh, Maryland team. I see them as like a six or seven win team. And let me ask you this, Corey, if, if they're six and six, do you think Loxley gets canned? No. It's got to be that time. You don't think? No. Nope. Nope. I think he... I think he point, I would just feel like, as a fan, I would be like, we're just settling for mediocrity. No, he's recruiting. Again, I mean, they're doing better than what they have done. I mean, they let's say they win seven games. That'd be back-to-back years again of winning seasons. And it's going to get better when they get out of the Big Ten East. And... He's only had like one quarterback throughout that entire time period. It's just been Tagovailoa the entire time. So if they just, you know, I think he's got at least one more quarterback. They are recruiting better. Like they they, they are. are doing better. So that's I would what Josh say Gattis is going to bring for you. Yeah. So I would say no. Uh, six and six is fine. They go six and six for a while. I think you don't. Now, does that necessarily give him breathing room? No. I don't know why I'm still on you. I guess I could. Flip to me. Um, does that give them breathing room? No. Like, if you won eight games one year, I think that would help quite a bit. 
as far as staying off of the hot seat. But no, I, I think you know they could go six and six, seven and five for a long time and, and probably be fine. To be honest with you, especially since they've done some good things when out of conference, like they beat Texas. You know that they, they do okay. They they won. They win their bowl game. I think they beat NC State, right? I think they beat NC State, if I remember correctly. So, like, they've done some decent things. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't say they're – he's on the hot seat by any stretch. Now, if he wins, like if, – if he loses to Michigan State and he loses to Indiana, that's a different conversation, right? Like, let's say he goes 4-8 and eight and he's got a loss to Indiana and a loss to Michigan State. Now, that's a whole different conversation. But for now – no. Okay. Okay. I mean, hey, I hope he stays there forever. <laughs> Not a big Mike Loxley fan. Not as a head coach. I do like him as a coordinator. Like, if Mike Yersich left and Loxley got canned, I would say go get Mike Loxley because I do respect I respect him like that. But when your team does what seems like the same thing over and over and over again, like at some point, it's on you, buddy. <laughs> I mean, you got to be able to figure that out. And when you said, like, uh, Tom Bailoa has been there for a while, yeah, I, I don't even remember who the quarterback was before him. I don't remember. I honestly couldn't tell you. Yeah. Maybe it was um, just him. You ready for some fan questions? Yeah, let's do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I think moving forward, I don't think I'm going to put the entire fan question segment up there on YouTube like we did last time, like because it ends up being like a 25-minute video. So I think what I'm going to do is like record just bits and pieces of the fan, like maybe a specific fan question or two, and put those maybe smaller segments up there. Um, that's kind of what I'm thinking. So works um, for me. Just if you're curious, what I'm thinking here. Bunch of really good fan questions. Thank you for the fan questions again. At Hardcore PSU. Oh, shoot. Let's do this real quick. Okay. Love it. Yep. Sorry. Finally got that. Yep. Um, at Hardcore PSUFB on Twitter. Hey, we're at 5,500 followers on Twitter. So thank you guys for following us there or on other social medias as well. Uh, give us your questions, whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, wherever you want to send them in, we'll get them on here some shape, way, shape, or form. A bunch of questions. I don't even think we got all the questions on here. I asked for fan questions, and I asked, Penn State will go 15-0, and I needed a reason why. Regardless of if you think they go 15-0, I wanted a reason for why they would. And so Matty Ice says, Penn State will go 15-0 because of their uber-talented and aggressive defense and Drew Aller will maximize the offense, and the offensive line and run game will be one of the top units in college football. It's quite a bit, Sean, if you ask me. <laughs> but fair enough. Uh, his question, how important do you think Penn State needs to get a highly rated quarterback in 2025 with the recent surge in confidence slash excitement in Grunk Ethan Grunkmeyer and the Penn State fandom and coaching staff? Um, well, we've shared that same excitement. We, we are very high on 2024 quarterback Ethan Grunkemeyer. He's getting trained by the same uh, quarterback coach that Drew Aller is. Can you remind me of his name, Sean? 
Do you remember it? I think it's Brad Mandler. That sounds right. Um, but yes, we're very high in Ethan Kronkemeyer. So I will say this about this question. You, you got to get a quarterback in 2025, if not two. So that's just what you got to do. However, you feel a lot better about that 2025 quarterback maybe not having to be the best thing ever. You're going to try to get the best thing ever. Don't get me wrong. But maybe you feel a smidgen better about where you're at as far as having to desperately get somebody because you feel pretty good about Ethan Grunkemeyer. Now, if they didn't get Ethan Grunkemeyer, which, I mean, the class isn't over yet, uh, then, then maybe you feel a little bit worse about what you need to do desper- desperately in 2025. But, Sean, I feel like right now you try to get the best you can. But there is probably – I mean, the coaches would never admit this. But maybe in the back of your mind – you at least feel comfortable knowing you got Drew Aller for two years and then potentially Ethan Grunkemeyer for another two after that. So, yeah, I mean they're they're in all likelihood set up nicely, but yeah, I mean you have to always be aggressive and always looking for that top guy. And you know it's 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 nature of college football. Like let's say we're here in two years and hopefully Aller is off to the NFL because he lights it up here. And Bo Pagula gets the job. Well, then Grunk's probably gone, and he might never play at Penn State, and it's just because Bo was that good. So then, yeah, if you don't get a top guy in 2025, you could really be hurting in uh, come, come a few years from now. Uh, so I still think it's always important, no matter what, to get the best quarterback that you possibly can because you just don't know what's going to happen. And I know we don't ever want to be in that place again, like we were out at Iowa with Taquan Roberson. Sorry, bad memories. Just had to go there, didn't you? Just had to go there. Um, Our scats, which by the way, um, Lots of people have been putting in questions lately, so we appreciate that. But a lot of consistent question askers, so we appreciate you guys as well. Um, R. Scats, about 15-0, and 0, says, Offensive line takes a giant leap, thus everything else falls into place. 15-0, and 0, offensive line to the goal line. His question, Sean, do you think any other Big Ten teams are underrated or overrated um, before you answer this, I thought it would be more fun if instead of like running through these in like a normal fashion, we where you would just tell me one overrated or one underrated, I thought it'd be more fun if I just list off the team and you just gave me you have to choose overrated or underrated for all of these teams. Okay, let's do it. Okay, so overrated, underrated, Big Ten teams. Indiana. Underrated. Agree. Maryland. I'll say overrated, but I feel like they're rated. I feel like everybody knows what they are. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Michigan State. Potentially underrated. Michigan. Underrated. I agree. Ohio State. Overrated. Rutgers. 
<laughs> Again, probably properly rated, but I guess I'll go underrated. Greg Schiano, you never know. You never know what he could do. I could see them getting seven wins. I'm more interested in the Big Ten West. This will be good. Illinois. Underrated. Iowa. Overrated. Minnesota. Mm. Slightly overrated. Don't be adding words. Nebraska. Underrated. Northwestern. That real believer. Um, well, I think just people mess. thinking they're going to go in 12, so I'll go underrated <laughs> just because 1 and 11 is better than 0 and 12, or 2 and 10 is better than 1 and 11. Purdue. Uh, maybe. I'll go underrated. You never know. I think just off of their hype from coming off of the the Big Ten West Championship, I, I would say or Big yeah, Ten, and I, feel I would like, say overrated. I just feel like nobody's expecting them to do anything. That's true. And, Fair enough. You know, they're coming off, like you said, they won the Big Ten West. I know, bit like being the tallest kid in kindergarten, um, but it means it means something. They have guys there that somewhat know how to win. So, and in the Big Ten West, they might fool around and win some more games than you think. Okay. Wisconsin. Overrated. Penn State. I am not on the... Oh. Underrated. Okay. Over-under is nine and a half. That's a good question. Stand Thank up. you, R-Scats, for that. I thought that was would be a fun way to do that. Um, yeah. How about you? I, I agreed to pretty much most of those. Okay, cool. I thought you did a pretty good job. Um, this is from Grant Lachat, who we haven't had a question from him for a while, but he's been listening to us since before the season started last year. So, long-time listener of the show. Um, if you had to name a position room that no one else is talking about, for good or bad reasons, that has the potential to be a bright spot coming out of training camp, which position would you pick? And then his 15-0 reasoning was the team puts up 40-plus points in the Ohio State and Michigan games. So, um, so Sean, you got to find a room that is going to be a bright spot that somebody is or isn't talking about. I'm going to go receivers. I think there's a lot of uncertainty in the receiver room. Understandably so. We lost our two top receivers from last season. And I just think there's a lot of question marks. But I think I think we're going to be fine. I really do. The, the, the more, the closer we get to the season, the better I feel about them. I feel a little bit better after watching the blue-white game. And yet, I know, you take everything with a grain of salt in the blue-white game. But uh, Omari Evans and Drew Aller, they have a natural chemistry and you saw it going back to the Ohio game. And I think they're going to continue that. I think that they see this is going to do a lot for that room. 
uh, with Keandre Lambert-Smith, and I've always said if Keandre Lambert-Smith could just put it all together and get consistent, he's going to be an NFL receiver. So I think we're going to be all right there. That's a good one. Um, I was going to go tight ends, but since you went offense, I'll go defense. And I will say defensive tackle. I think there's just so much harping. I think everyone just has, like, Michigan seared into their brain right now. And we told you guys so many times that, yes, it would help to get a little bit bigger, but it was a schematic issue more than anything. And you can't get behind against Michigan. And anyway, I think there's just so much of that Michigan game in there that people forget that like they still played really well at times, defensive tackles specifically. And I think they have a lot more depth than people realize. So um, – I think uh, I think Hakeem Beeman is is really special. I think Kaziah Izzard is really special. And I think they have a lot of depth behind them. Uh, Chris, uh, Christoph said, did you see the Curtis Jacobs interview on Blue White Illustrated? I actually haven't seen that yet, but he said that Curtis Jacobs thinks that Dante Cephas is the real dude. So um, I think that was a live interview. I don't know if that was last night or was I think it was last Thursday, maybe. Um, but I haven't watched that yet, but I probably will tomorrow. Um, yeah, I'll have to check it out too. But thank you for that. Yes, says he's a real dude. So hopefully he's a real dude. He's not like Pinocchio. Um, oh, no, he doesn't say real dude. He said that dude. I'm sorry. I'm putting words in his mouth now. But um, anyway, uh, okay, I did want to – I do want to record this one because I think this is a really good one. Uh, this is from longtime listener Einstein von Braun. Mr. Mr. Uh, his 15-0 and 0 comment was, we will go 15-0 and 0 because the stars are aligning and it's been almost 30 years since 1994. Um, fair enough. His question, if you can't take one, if you can take one, let me just start over because I was just butchering. His question reads, if you can take one tradition from another school and completely make it into Penn State, what would it be? For me, we would have a live, a live mountain lion involved somehow, similar to Bevo or Uga. Uh, I don't think I would necessarily go that route, but fair enough. Uh, I don't think you could have like a little doghouse for a mountain lion like they do for Uga. Uh, I think he gets driven around in like an air-conditioned limo and everything. Uh, Sean, I don't know if you've had a thought on this question, but I can go first. Go ahead. Go ahead. I would just say I would really like if Penn State had a cool way to start the fourth quarter every game. Just a song that is, like, really specific to Penn State that's become, like, a true tradition. Like, Wisconsin's got the jump around. So I guess is isn't really taking one, but just I wish there was a specific song that was just only Penn State did. It wasn't Sweet Caroline. It, something that was just unique to only Penn State. Um, I won't back down at Florida uh, Dixieland Delight. I just wish there was something specific like that that only Penn State did. I don't know what that song would be, but I think that would be cool. Maybe it should be uh, uh, the Edmund Fitzgerald song. You love that Edmund Fitzgerald. Yes, I do. Um, what about you, Sean? I, I would just keep it simple and I want to paint an end zone. I think we have the most boring end zones in the country. Just a blue end zone. 
white letters. Looks awesome. Had it in 1982. Good thing happened that year. He won the national championship. Bring it back. I want a blue end zone. I, did you like the diamonds? Diamonds are cool. Diamonds like are diamonds. cool. If we went full time with the diamonds, I'd be fine. But I mean, they. I just think we have, like I said, one of the most boring end zones in the country. There's no panache to them at all. Wow. Okay. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that or not. I mean, I agree that they're not the most exciting end zones. Would you Would you want like a Penn State version of Tennessee's checkerboard end zones? Those are cool. Those are cool. And, you know, that's unique to Tennessee. Um, yeah, again, just something simple. Just a blue background. And it says Penn State. Maybe even bring back the bubble letters and put put it in a blue background. Get Sean on the phone with the creative team ASAP for Penn State. Yeah, the turf management school. Yes. All right, this question is from Cowboy Ribeye, another longtime listener. All the uh, – we were going to go live today, and all the all the longtime listeners came out of the, the woodwork for this. Uh, this from Cowboy Ribeye. Do you think they will unleash Drew Aller and see what he can do early, or will they be more conservative? Positives potentially for both, but I think you don't really know what you have until you let it fly. Any thoughts there, Sean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they, at some point, they're going they're going to unleash them. Uh, but it, it's kind of like driving a Ferrari, right? Or driving a. Um, a standard, and most of those are standard vehicles. And if you've ever dr- driven a standard before, if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to stall out a lot. And I don't want to see us just going willy-nilly with Drew and opening up everything right away. First off, I don't think we have to. And secondly, I, I when you have the running backs we have, I mean, why would you? Uh, when When he's a a true freshman quarterback. At some point, though, we're going to need Drew to be able to sling it, and I think he's—I think he's going to be ready when we do. I, right now, Sean, if I had to—if you had to bet, first play from scrimmage, pass or run? Run. I—I I would honestly put fifty dollars that it's going to be a pass. Not a betting man. Yeah, but I'll bet you a beer. Okay, I really think they're gonna pass. My fiance and I might be at the first game, so nice. That's good to hear. Um, very good to hear. Yeah, no, I would. Uh, I think they're gonna come out and they're gonna throw the ball. I I think, think they're gonna throw the throw the ball around a little bit. We'll see. We shall, and at some point, I mean, like I said, he's going to have to, but. I don't think you. I don't think you necessarily need to force him to do it with the with the uh, supporting cast that we have, and we're all expecting the offensive line to uh, be even better than last year. And I, I shared a stat uh, last week, I think, on Twitter. Penn State was very middle of the pack in uh, their running back first contact with their running back. 
So there's an it's an advanced stat. I think they only went like two yards without getting hit on average. And I think they're gonna you're gonna try to bump that up this year, and I think they will. And that's only gonna help. That's only gonna help Aller out. So yeah, I I think I'd be a little bit more conservative with him at least at first. Those are rookie numbers. Got to boost those numbers up. Bump those numbers up. Uh, final question here from Dorito Bandit, which I believe he is at least for a little bit was watching on the show live. Why they go 15 and 0 defense will give opposing quarterbacks nightmares. Drew Aller and the wide receivers will click early, and Nick Singleton will win the Heisman. Easy as that. Um, he also just said on YouTube, play action pass and hits. Keandre Lambert-Smith on a long touchdown start the season off right. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Um, people would be going nuts if that happened. Um, his question reads, hypothetically, if Penn State went 12-0 in the regular season, who would you be more nervous about playing in the playoffs a second time, Michigan or Ohio State? I think that's actually a really awesome question. He had to play one of those guys again, assuming UM or Ohio State goes 11-1, makes a playoff. Who would you rather play a second time, Sean? That is a very good question. Michigan. Um, reason is, now, we'll get into the Michigan preview, but I have some thoughts on Michigan. Um, well, I'll just say it. I mean, I feel I think Michigan's going to beat Ohio State again. I do. I really like this Michigan team, unfortunately. Um, the reason I say them is Ohio State still has more talent than us. And it is it's hard to beat a team more talented, talented than you once. You got to do it twice? I think that's just too tall of a task. Whereas with Michigan, if you beat them, you have a roadmap then to beat them. And I feel like with the team with equal talent, that would be easier to replicate twice in a season. But okay, I really so just wouldn't to want clarify, to face either of them again. So just to clarify, you'd be more nervous about playing Ohio State a second time, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I think I would rather not play Michigan a second time, to be honest with you. Um, if we beat Ohio State, I think that means we're very much clearly better than Ohio State. The, the, we could beat Michigan simply because we got up to a 14-point lead on Michigan and then they just weren't able to to get back into it. And then that could be completely different the next time around if, if Michigan had a had the lead all of a sudden, right? Like those games to me, like if they can get in a rhythm and they can run the ball and they can get some consistency, they can really take the air out of the game. But at home... I can see Penn State jumping on them and, and taking care of business and then playing them in a neutral field. Maybe that's not as easy. And I do think Harbaugh is a better um, at preparing, at least defensively, for teams th than Ohio State is. I, I, I would feel I would feel like it would be more difficult to maybe move the football against Harbaugh a second time than, than say, move the ball a second time against Jim Knowles and, and Ryan Day and company. Arbaugh is bull. Arbaugh, Arbaugh his uh, bull record is pretty abysmal, though. That is true. Bad against bulls, but remember, 
when he was in the NFL, he had to play the same team twice. So he's got some experience playing the yeah. same team twice in a row, so or in the same season. No, that's true. I mean, like I said, I wouldn't want to play either of these guys no. again. I think it's going to take everything we have in us to beat both these teams once. So, yeah, I would not look forward to a rematch against them, especially if we won the first one. If yeah. we lost the second one, especially if it's close, we had another shot at them. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd feel pretty good either way. I'd feel better. No, no, I'm with you. But uh, that's a good question. Thanks, Dorito. That's all the questions we have today. Um, I, you know what? I wasn't going to wait to the very end, but I did wait to the very end. First of all, if you're still watching, please like the video if you haven't liked the video already. Very, very happy to be back. If you're listening on the podcast, make sure you're subscribing wherever you're you're, uh, you're listening, whatever platform it may be, whether it's Apple or Spotify or whatever it is. Make sure you're subscribed to wherever that is. And then please, please, please. We, I, we haven't had a five-star review to read on the show for a while, which I forgot to wait to the last minute to do so. But drop us a five-star review. We'll send you a, a Hardcore PSUFB sticker, and uh, we'll read your five-star review on the show. If you give us a five-star rating on Spotify, we'll do the same thing. So um, please consider doing that. Otherwise, um, hopefully we'll have some exciting news for you guys soon. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, we've, we've done really big things and, you know, our, the amount of people that have been listening to us the past few weeks, I mean, we're getting more people listening to us now than they did last football season and last football season. And really around this time last year is when we started taking off, but I have a feeling this thing's going to get really big. So, so yeah, we have a, we have a lot in store for you. So looking forward to this season. Uh, I feel like I say this every week. I give you an update on the on the um, on the um, uh, day of the month, which you could easily look at on your phone. But I'm going to tell you the next time we're with you, it'll be late July. So we are really, really getting there, guys. And I can't wait for this season. man. Can't wait. Yep, we will be back next week to talk, obviously, Penn State football, potentially two new commits, as well as Michigan State, Michigan, and Rutgers. That sound like a plan to you, Sean? Sounds like a plan, and I'll give my official... Um... Sneeze? Your official sneeze? Bless yeah, you. Sneeze. Um, yeah, I'll give you my official uh, Michigan State versus Maryland hot take for the season. I'll make sure to record that like as I well. Like I said, I don't know which way I'm going yet. I have to look at Michigan State. Okay. I might surprise you and take Maryland. I feel like you couldn't do that. The deepest part of your soul wouldn't allow that to uh, happen. Tough. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying I'm selling my Mel Tucker stock, but I'm beginning to call around to investors. <laughs> I'm beginning to talk to them. You shouldn't even be allowed to say that after that conversation we had last year regarding Mel Tucker. And I, All right. She was coming off an 11 win season. Nope. I'm done with you for the day. No, I, like I said, I'm not even selling you yet, but I'm starting to, I'm starting to nope, sweat it nope, out. Nope, and nope. taking my pulse and I'm like, I think we got to sell. Nope, we're but done. I'm here. not doing it yet. 
Thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us on YouTube as well. We appreciate you guys on YouTube. Uh, we will see you guys all next week. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Have a good night.